looking back at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day, this is Pass the Post. Good morning, everyone. Yes, we are past the post. It's Sunday, November 22. We passed the post yesterday at Sunshine Coast. An hour or so up the drive up the highway from Brisbane. We passed the post at Kembla, an hour and twenty down the road from Sydney. We passed the post at Ballarat, an hour and twenty up the road from Melbourne. So it was a unique day where we had the three metropolitan meetings, but a provincial centre's not the next Yeah, week. certainly doesn't happen too often, David, but exciting racing uh, across the board and over into Western Australia later in the afternoon. Of course, yes, the railway stakes. We'll talk about that later. Just on that point of the uh, the, the, the meetings <coughs> at the provincial centres, and um, they all aligned yesterday, um, Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria. One has to say, strong fields, and I think that's twofold, or the reason for that is twofold. One is, I think, that the nature of the tracks there, with long straights and sweeping turns, but also I think that the, the, the geography has something to do with where, you know, horses in that area want to run on those big days, and you had big fields everywhere. Yeah, no doubt. Well, like specific to Sunshine Coast, it's a big training centre up there, and the trainers up there want to have runners ready for those big days up there, and adding to the appeal of Clounder, as you point out, like the big, wide stretches there, long straight, that's, that's something that horses haven't had a chance in Saturday Metro races for quite a few weeks here in Queensland now. We had two feature races. We're going to have a listen to those and uh, chat with a couple of the key players out of them. And then we'll talk about some of the other races on the day. Of course, the Summer Carnival, even though it's not summer yet, but the Summer Carnival officially started yesterday with the Malula Bar Cup and also the Swiss Ace Plate. So let's go to the Malula Bar Cup, a mile feature. Ballistic Boy was the 225 favourite. Our caller yesterday, thanks to Sky Racing's Josh Fleming. Heads up, turn for home, it's Grey Missile from Free Fly 2, Nick and Nova looking for the way clear, next over on the inside, so you win, here's Ballistic Boy down the outside, get stuck in, trying to come with him, latest reckless choice, Ballistic Boy's grabbed the lead, but so you win over on the inside, out after Ballistic Boy, Ballistic Boy, so you win, so you win, Ballistic Boy, Ballistic Boy's in front, Ballistic Boy, Ballistic Boy's won a thrilling, Malula Bar Cup has won a half end to so you win, third red steam, Followed by, I've got no idea, fourth. Lejuge is up there. Nikonova, Spectroscope. Followed further back by Free Flight 2. Junction, Reckless Choice. Amanda Match, Bergerac. Followed by Articus, Magnifida. Grey Missile. And the last one was in his stride. Ballistic Boy kept favourite backers happy. As I said, $2.25 and a solidly backed $2.25. He prevailed narrowly, short half head, but... He got the judges not Matt McGilvray riding for trainer Chris Anderson beating So You Win and Red Steena. Our first guest this morning is the trainer of Ballistic Boy, Chris Anderson. Chris, good morning and congratulations. Good morning, David. Morning, David. Morning, Nathan. You've always said about this horse, and uh, I know sometimes when I hear trainers say it, I think it's a, a get-out clause that uh, the horse doesn't have the ability and they're just using an excuse. But one thing you've always said about this horse, and probably profit as well, and we'll talk about the stablemate a bit later, but you've always said about Ballistic Boy, he's a horse who will develop with time and with maturity, and that is being seen exactly. Yeah, 100%. And I've been fairly vocal with that, I suppose, mm. over the past 12 to 18 months. And um, he's just a big kid. He, he really um, mentally isn't there. Physically, he is. He's, he's a beautiful, beautiful, big, strong horse. But mentally, he's just been that little bit behind. 
a bit like the trainer was when he was at school. So uh, very forgiving at that. And, um, you know, um, we're starting to see the benefit of, of giving a horse uh, a little bit of time and being patient with them and not forcing them um, to a preparation that they're not really ready for. And, um, yeah, I, I think there's probably no better testament than, uh, than him, certainly in Queensland. Chris, it got pretty hairy at the end there and sort of, I dare say your mind was probably casting back to May where he was narrowly edged out by Supergiant in that thrilling race. But um, yesterday the, the photo went your way. Yeah, that's right. And um, it, it was a bit hairy late. And uh, Larry Cassidy, he'll have a sore neck this morning. I think he had about four or five looks to his uh, to his left, just sort of waiting for Matt McGilvray to press the button before he pressed <laughs> on his horse. And, um, yeah, look, I guess it was always going to be a bob. And, to be honest, Nathan, like I've always spoken about, it's 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 the progression with where we want to get to. Yesterday, and um, if we didn't win and we got beaten and we got edged out, then we just would have kept the same pathway that we're heading towards. And sure, it would have been a little bit disappointing to have been beaten, but I, I guess having um, you know the nod down yesterday was um, was pleasing. But uh, I guess the biggest thing for me with this horse is, is just seeing him progress um, from a three-year-old to a four-year-old and, and now starting to take on the better horses, and you know, the open company horses. And that's always going to be questionable when you go from three-year-old racing to, to open grade. And, and he's made that transition, which which is, I think, the most satisfying thing for me. This has been a hobby horse of mine for some time. And, but every time I go to drop it, a horse like Ballistic Boy comes up. And this is a classic case of an animal who was just obviously matured physically matured mentally but given the time to do it not pushed to do it and this is his fourth campaign and every campaign hasn't had a lot of runs so you've been patient and you've been consistent in your ideology with this horse now you talk about progressions and path what is that path and where is the grand final yeah david the grand final is obviously the magic million staying race in in january obviously called the sub-zero two weeks prior to that there's the um, shootout over 2,200. Uh, how we get there is going to be a little bit tricky. We either go to the Doombin Mile um, third up, which is a Friday night meeting, a twilight meeting at Doombin, I think on the 10th, or we go to a mile and a quarter the week later. But a little bit reluctant to have, t- you know, two mile and a quarters into a 2,200, into a 2,400. So uh, we may be out of the Doombin Mile and back him up eight days later into the mile and a quarter. So... I guess the next seven days will tell us as to which way we do go with him, but there are going to be significant chinks in his armour. I think another thing I've been really vocal with with his horse is he's not a Doombin horse, and unfortunately the next month um, he has to go to Doombin, and uh, the only race meet at Eagle Farm is, is the day the gateway's on, and there's just nothing, unfortunately, for him suitable on that day. So, um, yeah, there might be a little bit of pain short term, but obviously we'll get him back to... Uh, Eagle Farm with the shootout and obviously two weeks later into the Sub-Zero at the Gold Coast. Interesting situation with jockeys with this horse. Chris, uh, Brad Stewart built a really good affiliation with him <coughs> through uh, the early part of the year and through weights, Matt McGilvray's taken over. So that's a, a little headache you've got at the moment. Yeah, Nathan, I'll, I'll probably um, sit on the fence and pick the splitters out of my backside <laughs> here and, and let the owners make a decision, to be honest. Uh, Chris... I'll put this to you. I, I always say what I think. I think everyone knows that. Um, you, you've outlined the progression. Right or wrong. Yeah, well, you've outlined the progression to uh, the, the sub-zero on Magic Millions Day, the 16th of January. Let's be very 
uh, tough marking on the winter. He was very good. Are you a little concerned the form around Ballistic Boy could be a bit suspect during the winter? Um, not at all. Not with the progression he's shown mm. uh, after that. I, I suppose a lot of those horses that haven't come back may have, you know, in hindsight, not not pulled the right rein and, you know, did try and head south to Southern Carnivals and uh, it probably hasn't worked out. We elected to give Ballistic Boy a two-month break mm. and... Um, I think that that break is really now starting to show, but you know, there's no there's no expectation now on him. He's a horse. I know they paid a hundred thousand for him. He's won four times that amount of money now, and um, you know, if, if if you want to return on investment, the owners have got that for him. And I guess everything he does now is a is a bonus, and um, they'll enjoy the ride. And um, yeah, what what will happen will happen. We're, we're we're realists, and I'm certainly a realist as a trainer, and don't certainly get too carried away with with horses and. Um, We'll just let them do the talking and hopefully he can continue to take those next steps. I, I know there were, were men and women in rooms last week. They just kept refreshing their computer looking for scratchings in the uh, Keith <laughs> Now. They just kept hitting the button, please, please. Like how how often or how not often do you not, not see a scratching in a 17-horse field and they kept saying, please, and they went to bed, they prayed, and they woke up in the morning and still there was nothing because they just wanted to be on profit. They tell me he's flying. Tell the truth, is he? Well, I was pressing the refresh button (laughs) quite a lot, I must say. (laughs) um, Is he flying? um, That's the question I asked you. Well, hindsight's a wonderful thing, David, and we wouldn't have been winning on that particular day. So I'm really glad... I'm really glad that he missed out on a run. We wouldn't have beaten Jonker. We might have flashed and run a nice fifth or sixth, but all, all due respect to Jonker, nothing was beating that horse on that day. And we didn't really want to go and see him having a gut buster first up. And to be honest, the Keith Nowd was an afterthought. We weren't going to go to that race. We were purely going to go to the Tats Recognition first up 1350. Mm. So our plan is still on path as to where it originally was. So... Um, and yes, he's going well. The horse trialled well and had a jump out last Tuesday. Uh, ran fourth just to keep himself ticking over. And I think David will hopefully see a better horse this time in because of the fact he had two and a half months out. Now, he's never really had a break to, to that extent in the past. And I'm probably driving people a bit mad with saying it, but, you know, COVID got us and uh, uh, travelling horses interstate, we were a victim of. And Obviously, you know, the Winter Carnival was revamped, extended, and he was just asked to do too much last time in. So, yeah, it's amazing and um, what, what what a bit of time in green grass does. And I guess that's the benefit with Think Big and with the types of horses that Duncan Ramage buys. He, he, he gives them time and he buys horses that are going to, you know, show progression and they're not in a hurry. And, um, you know, I, I guess having an owner that is, is prepared to do that is, is, is very welcoming and... It certainly makes my job a lot easier too. Yeah, documented in the Sunday Mail today, Chris, that's a lovely summer program for profit. He can run in the Gateway and then a few weeks later go to the 1,800-metre wave at the Gold Coast, which looks a beautiful race for him. But he's not the only runner you'll have there in a feature race at uh, Doombin this weekend. You've got a couple of mares lining up for, for some black type as well? Yeah, that's right. Epic Girl, she obviously had a, a little freshen, obviously, after beating Kesicano. Uh, the Gold Coast, not so long back. So she'll she'll make a return. She'll probably be a little bit underdone uh, after that freshen. It's amazing how mares sort of get on in years and they go and have that little freshen and do probably a little bit too well. Um, so she, she's done that. But, 
whatever she does on Saturday, she'll improve because she'll be aimed for another stakes race two weeks later. And obviously, Boomtown Lass will most likely uh, go to that um, Spirit of Boom stakes race next Saturday as well. So it was fantastic first up. And, um, you know, hope, hope, hopefully it'll be nice to see her. Well, she has got black tie, but it'd be nice to see her win a stakes race to really increase her value. And horses like Plutocrat, she was, I thought, super with her 59 kilos last Saturday. So she's on a long pathway towards obviously that the three-year-old Benson's guinea so she was far from wound up and um you know we're very understanding that you can't have horses set ready to win every saturday uh, uh, unless they're black caviar so we'll um keep hopefully taking the right progression with these horses and hopefully the summer's kind to us well it sounds like you've got a good summer ahead of you with that uh that uh, outline you've just given us there but first and foremost congratulations on ballistic boy yesterday it's looking as though it's going to be a bright summer for him and and we look forward particularly to seeing Profit next Saturday. Thanks for your time this morning, Endo. Thanks for having us, guys. Appreciate it. Chris Anderson joining us this morning. And he has got a nice little team there, hasn't he, coming up for the, the summer? Yeah, he has. Um, Profit and Ballistic Boy, they live side by side. Um, sort of different sort of horses. Ballistic Boy is a real... He's, he's got a fair bit of substance about him. Profit's more of a neater type, I think. See, I always wait till they get off air to say what I really yes. think in case they blow up. So... Um, could, could, like you should have done that with Glenn Boss a couple of weeks back could, when you yeah. referred to him as a veteran about five times. Could I know horses can win staying races, but they may not be genuine stayers. Mm. I'm just concerned about that super giant Navy Cross form. Oh, sure, sure. But the point he makes about taking that leap from yeah. three to four is a good one. Like super giant that we saw through the that wasn't the, the super giant we saw in the autumn. We know these are a lot better than that. So whether they had issues, not sure. But you have to make that improvement. And Matt McGilvray made a point. He said it took about 600 metres yesterday. There was still a bit of freshness in him. But when he did come back, he said he was just relaxed beautifully. And I think you'll probably see that as the preparation develops and uh, he's uh, fitter. I wasn't telling you to stop this. <laughs> no, I, I just lost my train of concentration. Not the first time. Just on, just on Matt McGilvray, uh, a good boost for him as well. We know he had that bad fall at the Sunshine Coast in late May, and he was off for some time. Taking a little while to come back, and he's been plying his trade up uh, like at Rocky on the the the, the, the tab meetings up there. Uh, so that's a a good uh, a good boost for him, and it was a good ride too. David, we see it over and over again how important momentum is for jockeys. You know, if you go out for a while, you sort of get forgotten a little bit. And, um, you know, Robbie Frad's a great example at the moment. He was struggling for a little while, but suddenly he's putting a heap of winners together again. So that momentum is so important for a jockey. And a win like that, you'd hope that it gives him a kick along now. Exactly right. Well, that was the B, the Malula Bar Cup. Just on, uh, we'll say your win was good. Uh, Red Steena, she's always running on Red <laughs> Steena, but her run was good. Uh, I got one of those zero four double nine punter messages. No sooner they gone over the line yesterday. Well done with Nick and Over. <laughs> Big thumbs up. Good on you, mate, out there. I appreciate that. After my placement went down the drain. Look, I think with Nick and Over, and I've watched that replay. Well, carefully. you weren't the only one. He was seven dollars yeah. into four twenty. That uh, uh, the, when watching the replay in the straight, he was really hemmed between two runners. He just couldn't do what he wanted to do. He couldn't gather momentum. When he did get clear or break free of those horses either side, there wasn't much dash there. And I'm just wondering, and I'm not questioning Steve Trigo's training, that you know, he's had a long time up on Nicanova, hasn't he? Had a lot of racing, that's for sure. Yeah. So, um, But well, he, he can turn horses around, Steve Trigo. One thing I did forget to mention just before we close off totally on the Sky Racing Malilla Bar Cup, the time, 134.95. Now, I tell you, uh, they've been racing there for 34 years. They rarely break 35. In fact... 
Bassey's pride holds the record, 134.74, and that record has stood for 30 years, 1990, wow. when she achieved that, Bassey's pride. They, they weren't far off the 1,000-metre record earlier in the day either, were they, mm. with um, Fleet Dove? Who trained Bassey's pride? No, come here. Howard, the late Howard Wilson. Bassey's pride, she was a very good mare back in the late 80s, early 90s. But, yes, yeah, so 134.95, comparing with her time of 134.74, all up, it was a damn good win. Let's go to the Swiss Ace. This was the sprint feature. And like Ballistic Boy, punters got this right. Sugar Boom, 220, went off favourite. Sugar Boom led the way from second, the outside Miss Catherine. A length and a half away, third Capital Connect, running up into fourth, fifth, the outside Kellogg. Next one's Mashani Hustler. Just Storm's over on the inside. Tambos make their clear from Baccarat Baby Panino. Further back to Bold Style, and last of all is River Racer. Heads are turned for home and Sugar Boom by length and a half now from Miss Catherine. Gypsy Toff Capital Connection looking for the way clear. Just Storm, likewise Kellogg. Tambos made and down the outside. Mashani Hustler at the 150. Sugar Boom led the way. Gypsy Toff a length and a half away. Tambo's mate coming down the outside. Sugar Boom the leader from Tambo's mate. Lake Just Storm. Sugar Boom's in front. Gets in. Sugar Boom's won from a photo. Either Just Storm or Tambo's mate. Close up Gypsy Toff. Calic Panino. Capital Connection. Baccarat Baby. Bold Style. River Racer. Mashani Hustler. And Ms Catherine was last of all. Well, it got a bit hectic towards the end, but it didn't really matter to the trainer, Tony Gollum, because he also prepared the runner-up, Just Orm, which we could describe as an unlucky Just Orm. But on the day, the plaudits go to Sugar Boom. Uh, when I say a one-trick pony, I don't say them with any disrespect, but she's a very quick out of the gates. That's her go. Short distances, 1,000 to 1,200, and she's got a very good record. The trainer, Tony Gollum, is with us once again this morning on Past the Post, fresh after Jonker's success last week. Tony, congratulations. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good morning. As I said, uh, I don't say that with any disrespect to One Trick Pony, but what you see is what you get, and she's been a very good money spinner, and so far only you know, still relatively lightly raced. Yeah, she's been terrific. Um, I mean, the Kurt's family have been, been with me now for a very long time, and they bred this filly, took her to a sale, and, and one reason or another, uh, x-rays and, and scoping issues, that she, did, she didn't get sold. And so they decided to race her, and um, obviously she's by Spirit of Boom. They shared in the ownership of Spirit of Boom, hence, hence they got into the breeding caper when he retired, and she's been terrific. She is, she is a short course horse. Yeah, you're right. She's got great gate speed. She's a very fast mare. Um, 1,200 is just the outer limits of her distance range, 1,100, and, and a, you know, in the tight turning track, she can get six, but she's been a great, a great um, gathering for the stable, for sure. She's been terrific, and... Got, a, got, got the job done yesterday on what was a very fast, fair Sunshine Coast track. Mm. You'd picked this race out a, a long time ago, Tony. It just set up beautifully for it, didn't it? Yeah, look, it did. I mean, when they finished their three-year-old year and they head into the four-year-old season and, you know, we sort of we anchored up on her during that COVID period where she raced in a bit of the, the COVID carnival. Uh, I guess what you call it a winter carnival. It was that way affected. And you sort of pick it where you're going to go with them in the summer and it's going to be a bit realistic, um, you know, distance range for her and, she probably hasn't been in her best at Eagle Farm, so it was important we trying to find that right, you know, that good money race that was there that would really suit her. And this race really did stick out. So you've seen us give her a, what we refer to probably as a softish kill, a dooming, you know, a few weeks back now. And we've barely trialled her in between to have her ready for this. And she was absolutely spot on yesterday. And that's the best the Sunshine Coast track has raced for a horse like her in the time I've been, I've been training, I'd suggest. She's won six races, uh, as you've outlined. She's a short-course specialist, five of those at 1,000 metres. So just going on or down the line further from what you've just said, uh, not easy to 
to organise a campaign for her, where will her next start be? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, logistics. Obviously, you'd probably look at the, the bribery in three weeks at Eagle Farm. I just don't know if it's been a favourite sort of surface. But in saying that, she, she probably gets there the right distance at the right time of the year. When she went there as a three-year-old, was in a 1,200 metre race and was probably just not the right track at that trip for her. So I think she possibly could be competitive at a 1,000 on that track. But I'll just let the dust settle and I'll have a chat to the coach and I'll, I'll sort of work a plan of attack out in, in the coming week. Tony, we had two of our top jockeys lay withdrawals from the Sunshine Coast meeting yesterday. Your stable was particularly affected. Just talk the listeners through, you know, how that affects, you know, you as a trainer and, 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 and how you go about sort of filling those gaps at the last minute. <laughs> it, was a lot, it was a lot of luck and bugger all skill, to be honest. Um, it's pretty it's pretty um, hard, you know, like, you know, people get sick and, you know, whatnot, and no secret, both, both Ryan and Bailey are, are really talented riders, you know, they they're right up there in the premiership and they've got great skill about them and to try and replace them is never easy. Uh, we were able to do that. Uh, both riders fell ill yesterday. Um, you know, whether it's effects of wasting or just bugs or whatnot, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but it certainly makes your day a lot trickier because you book riders. I don't know if the listeners know, we book riders, you know, two weeks out from races. So it's not a, not a last minute thing selecting a jockey. It's, it's a little thought process put into it and you're normally pretty happy with what you come up with and when you've got to make changes on the day, it's, it's never easy. Um, but look, these things happen and you make changes and, you know, someone's someone's bad day, someone else's good day. So, I mean, Larry Cassidy uh, was the beneficiary of that on, on Sugar Boom yesterday and also Jimmy Byrne on top of Ricky Ladd, both replacement riders. So, yeah, yeah. I guess all's well and ends well. Just on before we close off on Sugar Boom, just two points I want to make. Last campaign, she only had the, the three runs during the, the late autumn and winter. And she wasn't at her best. Now, I know one of those runs was at Eagle Farm, but one was at Doom and one was at the Sunshine Coast. Uh, could you pinpoint anything where she wasn't as, as sharp last time in? It was a real mixed pre- a real mixed preparation. I had her up for the cutest sort of carnival. So she had the summer, and I give her a short break for that cutest carnival we have in, in March. Mm. And then with all that rain, and I didn't run on the wet tracks, so I sort of never got to really give her a break. She only had a couple of weeks here and there. And I, I guess she went to the winter probably not as fresh in the legs and, and fresh off a nice break as what she has done into this summer. I do think summer racing suits her. I think she loves summer tracks. And, you know, you, you, you can't really compare yesterday's Sunshine Coast track to the night that Penino beat her there on the Friday night. She was really good that night. But it was, it was just that um, winter-autumn sort of track. You know, it was a little bit softer, a bit shiftier. Uh, suited a horse like Panino better than what it suited, suited Sugar Boom. But you saw her on a proper, like, a summer track yesterday. And that, that's when she's at her best. Yeah, I remember when she debuted. It was it was late February last year. It was a, a maiden at Doomben, and I'm always interested. I am a busybody. I love to watch the the trainers' reactions after the races. But I like with you, um, if you do really blow up, you do it in a controlled fashion. But there was no blow up here because it was just you just. Had, had no expression at all. You were just expressionless. David must have been down there close enough, Tony, to hear the, the proper blow-ups because I can, I can vouch for a few I've seen. But I reckon this day he couldn't have blown up because because it was it was home to the world and all of a sudden this uh, Miss yeah. Cavallo came up and knocked it off on the line. Yeah, I think she made it the best, um, was it the best beats of the year or something and they have them, you know, the shortest price in running and I think she was a dollar one at one stage when she was 10 in front. Uh, look, I guess Miss Cavallo obviously very good soft track horse had come out and went quite well that preparation, but uh, I don't know. It was just one of them beats, wasn't it? You know, she she's been a really good man for the stable, and you're you're right what you said before. She's probably a, a tiny bit trickier to place just due to her racing style, what sort of suits her. 
but uh, it was just good to get a good win for, for the family and coach family yesterday. You, you can, um, uh, I think, more than fairly make the case that if she had one, just just Orm should have. He, he had uh, uh, an ordinary path for a major part of the, in the major part of the straight, didn't he? Yeah, like, and that's, and that's what you saw yesterday there. Like, normally the Sunshine Coast, you mm. know, there's plenty of room. You know, you can be back that third pair on the centre wherever you want to be, and you're always going to find room because people are coming off rails and there's always a bit of space. But, but yesterday, when that fence was on, which is very unusual going there railing through and that fence being a good part of the track to be, it really tightened the racing up there yesterday and it made for a different day at the Sunshine Coast. And it made, it made for pretty good competitive racing. And, look, unfortunately, Just Orm was the, was the victim of a, a bit of traffic. He probably, Jimmy felt he sustained his run outside. Gypsy Toff and Luke Tarrant just kept coming out underneath him. But that's racing. These things happen. And, you know, there's one winner, there's one loser. But Just Orm, he's, he's a terrific old horse. You know, he's seven years old and... He's arguably in career best form and he loves that Sunshine Coast track and he's a bit like Sugar Boom. He's a little bit tricky to place now as well. Tony, the day ended well enough for the stable but it had been a dirty old day up until uh, Sugar Boom got the prize with Paladas and Blur Zebra having zero luck. Is there some days you go to the races and think, well, it's just not my day today? Well, we had a really smooth morning at track work. Everything <laughs> went well. and well, I got the phone call from Ryan Maloney about 9 o'clock and then... That's sort of all the three rides we've got to muck around with. And then we got the phone call from the stewards that Bailey Notice was as he lapped the races prior to the first. And I thought, oh, I said the cab will run away up in the car. I said, shit, our day's not going to get, not looking real good here at the moment. So then we had a few good things beaten. And, you know, it was looking a bit messy. And then obviously Tokariki Lad, which you're probably going to get to, nearly through the last array by trying to bite the air. So it was quite a bizarre day for us yesterday, but we're lucky to get a couple of winners and, you know, really nice to get one of the feature races. Again, it's only been a few so far this summer and we've, we've done a pretty good job thus far. Blue Zebra, uh, this market changed quite dramatically from morning to, to, to race time. And I, I mentioned yesterday on, on the radio, I was concerned where it drew, where it would map, and it, it ended up being that way. It was wide, no cover, four wide, I think, no cover. Uh, beaten three and a half lengths. Um, and you, I know you were disappointed the day it got beaten at Eagle Farm uh, because I imagine you expected it to win. What do we? What do the punters do? What do our listeners do with Blue Zebra? I think it's very, very, um, very easy to be critical of my bad draws like yesterday. I, I really put a line through yesterday's run. I think she's a talented filly. She's got to learn to control herself better, which I've spoke about previously. The day at Eagle Farm, she... Probably from the wrong part of the track there too. But yesterday's run, I'd certainly put a massive line through that. What I do is we're now probably tricky. Do I look to go 1,200 with her or to keep her at 1,000 and whatnot? I want to think about that for a few days. She's definitely got a lot of talent. But having a lot of talent and winning races are two different things. We've got to get her winning races. So that'll probably be my mandate now in. Um, but if I was the punters, you know, I wouldn't drop off her, particularly if you see me place her in the right, in the right sort of race. Uh, Tokariki Lad, he's a quirky horse, obviously. He's so consistent, doesn't win out of turn, but he found the right race yesterday. It, it was, there's an extraordinary photo floating around, and I'll, I'll run it in the, the Courier yeah. Mail tomorrow. But uh, what did, did yeah, you get to the bottom of the story there? Yeah, we, think, we think it's the resentment for the whip. He, he first run back, he, um, he looked like he went to Savage on the Rob Heathcote the horses, and they made me take him back to the jump outs. And yesterday, there was no horse like really near him. So even though he had his mouth open, he was, he was trying to bite something. We, we think it's more to do with the re, uh, resentment of, of really hard whip riding. Georgina rode him in between, and as she said yesterday, he didn't do it for me, and I only fairy tapped them. So mm. with Brad Stewart and Jimmy Byrne on, they're both very strong whip riders. He, he was probably, we, we've starting to think now, as Jimmy's mentioned yesterday, it's all the resentment to hard whip riding. So you'll probably see less is more on a horse like him going forward. 
Um, that's, that's all we can put it down to. I'd, uh, first of all, I thought we thought it was savaging horses, but there was nothing savage yesterday, only the fresh air. Just to finish off, Tony, this coming Saturday, a few more stakes races there at Doomin. What can we expect from your stable? Yeah, we've got a few mares in, the, in that mares race, uh, Crone and, and uh, Needor. And uh, the girl want me to come inside here and snitch uh, in the recognition and maybe one other in the recognition too. So we'll have, we'll have a few numbers in both races and I really hope we can see Needle, you know, bounce back. I think she got away in a tough team the other day and it would be a good return clash with Boomtown last. Always appreciate your time and always welcome on Past the Post and all of our programs. Thanks, Tony. Good work yesterday. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Tony Gollard, our Premier Trainer, joining us. Uh, Quinellaing the Swiss ace with Sugar Boom and Just Orman. Certainly an honourable mention of Tambo's mate as well. He was first up, uh, beaten for speed, hit the line. Well, he didn't have the best of runs in the straight either. Just Orman had a worse run than him, but his run was good, Tambo's mate. He's always good second up as well, so I imagine he might go to the George Moore in a fortnight's time. Yeah, he goes to the George Moore. Stu Kendrick said he may have felt that he just peaked that last 100 metres, but it was just pleasing to see him come back from that, that wrench joint that put him out of the the winter. And um, the the old Stuart would love to get him a wild card into Magic Millions Day. So he's just tossing up whether mm. with the, the Falvalon a week earlier or or the, the buffering is the race that's the, the right one for Tambo's mate to try and get into that race. Your best value of the day was Fleet Dove. $13 was bet in race six, SP to 12. Let's see how she went. Hank Corfield, the inside, zing along the outside. Up into third now, Fleet Dove. Goals for working home down the outside there, clear from Super Rare. It zing along from Hancora Field. Looming up as Fleet Dove. Goals was not there yet. Lake down the outside as Blue Zebra. Fleet Dove's grabbed the lead. Zing along's trying to come back. Goals was a length and a half away. Fleet Dove and Zing along. Fleet Dove's just in front and Fleet Dove defeats Zing along. It's a photo third. Goals were all got a kiss. Oh, she was lovely late. Followed by one shy Ruby. Super Rare. Further back to Blue Zebra. And they break right away from Hancora Field, who tied in Frisco's image at the back of the field. We saw Fleet Dove during the winter in her first campaign. All runs were on rain-affected tracks, soft or heavy. She struck a, a good track yesterday, but proved that she's not just a, a wet track wonder because she uh, powered along running 56.59. And the reason I mentioned the time, quite significantly, was slightly faster than Sugar Boom's uh, 56 and... Where is it here? 50. Where is it? 56 and 67. Yeah, you would have got big odds about that, wouldn't mm. you? Um, so whether those times actually... We'll wait to see if they're franked or not. But um, it certainly didn't pan out what, look, how you expected that race. First of all, the, the betting told you that Blurred Zebra was sort of not a likely winner, $3.20 out to six fifty. Uh, they bet, as you'd like to say, as if the number was in the frame for, for Goldsborough. Mm. Well, it was, it was, what, $3 in the morning, wasn't it? Yeah, with level pegging. Um, so the flux were, uh, in the end were 180 into 160, 180 taken, SP 160. He went sort of $3 to $2.10 through the morning. One of the more prominent tipping, tipping services gave him out as the best of the day and that seems to have an effect on the market. And, but then, as you say, they kept coming 180 to 160 after that. So he, whether he was a touch flat, David, he certainly had his chance, Goldsborough, didn't he? He certainly did. He wasn't disgraced, but the other pair were better. Fleet Dove and, and, and Zingalong, who ran a, a good race at uh, at fair odds. Obviously, say Zingalong's come back better as a three-year-old, mm. wouldn't you? Yeah, and th this, is, this is what I thought would happen out of this meeting. There would be a lot of discussion because we had a lot of horses resuming, getting ready for the, their summer campaigns. And particularly with the younger horses, we like to see if they do take it the step forward or just remain the same. But 
certainly Fleet Dove has maintained her good form from her first campaign and Zingalong's improved. But yes, uh, trained by Kelly Schweder uh, uh, out of a mare, Fleet Rian. And uh, Fleet Rian was raced by the Nolan family. She was a moderately successful mare. I think it's probably the kindest way to describe her. She she ended her career with Brian Smith here in uh, Queensland about well, just, just under a decade ago. Spoke to Basil Nolan late yesterday. They didn't make the trip up from, uh, from the farm, but... Uh, he obviously enjoyed watching it from afar and um, you know, she'll get further than a 1,000 metres too. Let's have a listen to the first race of the day. This was the two-year-old. Putters found this hard to work out a favourite. It was wide open betting. So she'll be missed over on the inside, leading from Miss Piper. A length and a half away third is Lockdown Lady. LaForce fourth out three and four wide. Next one, Subterranean, College Spirits, Invincible Tears over on the inside. Next one, they're spectacularly. She'll be missed here from trying hard, Subterranean. Miss Piper is still there. Invincible Tears, LaForce the next one. Lockdown Ladies over on the inside. Further back we go to Winter Violet. She'll be missed here from Invincible Tears. Down the outside, Subterranean. Next one, there is Lockdown Lady. You'll be missed, Invincible Tears. You'll be missed in front. Invincible Tears lunging. I think it's just missed. I think you will be missed narrowly from Invincible Tears on a photo. Third subterranean, not sure. Fourth, Lockdown Lady, Raw Gold, Winter Violet, Son of Pharaoh, Spectacularly, LaForce and Collet Spirit. And uh, further back in the field, we had Avalante and Miss Piper has dropped out to finish at the tail. A headwater filly having her second start. Numerically, she was hard to find, but she had a wide run on debut at Duma. They put the blinkers on yesterday on her home track and... Uh, up she bobbed at $17. Gear change worked wonders there and just that benefit of, of race experience. So um, I had the right stable in that race, Dave, just, just the wrong horse. Um, but fair to say punters didn't have much of an idea there. They, it wasn't sort of a spectacular betting race. They were just feeling their way and a roughy started off the day. 57.76 the time and congratulations to the Lawler family that uh, you'll be missed. Uh, uh, races in their colours and Daryl Hanson, the winning trainer. Let's have a listen to the third race before we end off on the Sunshine Coast. This was the three-year-old Paladas favourite, 235. Sister Eleanor leading narrowly from Chiron, working up into third of Xenifer. Fourth is Deja Nova, fifth the outside Pulcheria. Corvo coming very wide and Darcinium is back nearer the inside and Cosmic Gossip further back at the 350. Sister Eleanor, here's Xenifer down the outside, finishing strongly. Deja Nova is over on the inside, then nicely clear from the others, being headed by Chiron, but the leader is now Xenifer. Xenifer from Sister Eleanor, latest Paladas and Corvo. Bedelad coming through a as well at Xenifer from Betelad. Xenifer's in front from Betelad. Paladas and Xenifer. Xenifer's won from either Betelad or Paladas. It's a further photo fourth between Darcini and Corvo, followed by Cosmic Gossip, Chiron, Pulcheria, June 45, Nixon, Deja Nova, Count the Coin, Sister Ralanora, Mashani Epic was the last one. Yes, Xenifer, Sean Cormack riding for a Sunshine Coast trainer, another local victory, uh, Jack Duncan training Xenifer. Uh, racing on speed and too good. Better lad. I think you'll have to be Mr. Ed, that horse. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, it goes good, goes bad, goes good, goes bad. Good like, yesterday. Yeah, probably Fred got off and said he landed on his nose at the start too. Yeah, it was a good run. But the, the quieter he's ridden, the better he's gone. And last week, they, whatever reason, wanted to be up on speed again and he didn't finish off. But the time they've let him find his feet, he finishes off strongly. You probably didn't back Paladas. It got in too short, 2.35. Yeah, that's right. It uh, did get short. And you didn't uh, back it in the end, did you? Uh, I did back it earlier on in the week, David. So what price? Um, it's bigger than two thirty-five. 
Um, <laughs> did it have a six in front of it? It did not? have a six in front of it, yeah. <laughs> oh. um, it wasn't a pretty watch from go to woe, but um, that's the way it goes. And Xenifer showed a lot of potential last mm. prep, but she got an infection at the start of this prep. So you remember she was scratched out of a race early on. He just had to back off her and, and he, Jack Duncan said, that's why she was a touch under done first up and she showed the benefits of that yesterday. She was having only her fourth start, so second win. She's a filly by scissor kick and uh, uh, her win was solid, but certainly second and third both went well. Also understanding that the tempo of this race was only average. They went that first half mile and a tick over 49 and home in sub 35. So both Better Lad and Paladas went well. Star of Michelin jumped yesterday. Big difference. Was able to go into a good position and, and go on and win. And and we've mentioned... Uh, and Veronese, of course, who was an acceptor at Kembla, was able to uh, run at the Sunshine Coast and win for the Wallace Stable. And we mentioned Tokariki Lad. So that's the coverage of Sunshine Coast. The first day of the Summer Carnival, we go to Doombin this Saturday, the Tattersall's race meeting, with the feature being... or features being the recognition stakes and the just now for the Mayor, Phillies and Mayors. Take a short break here on Past the Post. Thanks for your company. We'll head to the West next. Past the Post on Radio Tab. Well, of course, it's time for Perth Racing to shine and we kicked off with the traditional opener to their carnival, the Group 1 Railway Stakes. The favourite was Inspirational Girl, who boasted an outstanding strike rate leading to the race, and she was at $2.60. At the 400, they turn for home. Great shot joined by Dance Music and too close the sun got them all. Too close the sun hit the front. Now McGruddy gets around the heels with Red Can Man. Material Man Kementari working his way through and here comes Inspirational Girl. She's starting to thread her way through the field. Inspirational Girl, Pike under hands and heels, ranges up, grabs the lead. It's a winning hat-trick for the Wizard and goes home Inspirational Girl. Uni time from last. There's a run down the outside, probably second from too close the sun. Cup night material man and red can man from platoon. Truly great. Then Kemantari, Taxagano, KC. In behind those, the tiring great shot. Spiritual warrior missile launch. Further back behind them to dance music. And last to greet the judge in the railway of 2020, Galo Chop. I don't know what the, the crowd restrictions were with COVID, but sadly <laughs> there were a lot of people there and uh, they were cheering wildly. And why wouldn't they be? Because the favourite, duly saluted, uh, for the Wizard, William Pike and, of course, uh, Grant Alana Williams, the training partnership, and uh, Bob Peters and family successful with what looked the winner and turned out the winner. What a juggernaut, though, David. And and you know that this horse will just come, come to the east and, and measure up as well. It happens time after time. It's just a, a remarkable breeder, Bob Peters, and obviously he's got a, a brilliant team there with jockey and trainer combination, but three railways in a row... Um, yeah, last year's winner, we saw Regal Power come across with an all-star mile. So you'd think, you know, she's by a reliable man, so she may well even get over further, this girl. And only, only been beaten twice, uh, nine wins from 11 starts. So we may well see her in 2021 here on the Eastern Seaboard. Of course, uh, next week, the carnival continues with the, the sprint feature, the Winterbottom, over 1,200 metres at Group 1 level. It was a big day yesterday at Kembla Grange because it was the, the second running of the million-dollar The Gong. Big field of 16 at the 1,600 metres start. Let's have a listen to the replay again, like the hut of the previous week, wide open betting. 
These two leaders are still at it up front. It's Positive Peace and Arcademus ripping along at the 600 metres. Purple Sector keeping his powder dry at the moment in third, followed by Dawn Passage who gets going. Think it over, deeper out. Then Mr Seawolf creeping through on the inside of Reloaded and Asiago heads the rest. Down to the 350 and Arcademus beat off Positive Peace. Dawn Passage called upon. Purple Sector under the stick. Then came Think It Over further back to Reloaded and Cascadian. Right down the outside is Brandenburg, 150 out. It's Arcademus and Dawn Passage slogging it out. Arcademus kicking. Dawn Passage trying. Arcademus keeps kicking. It's Arcademus for the gong. He fended off Dawn Passage to win it. Think it over running third. Followed up by Reloaded. Then came Cascadian, Brandenburg, Purple Sector, Mr. Seawolf, Best of Days, Al Mahaha. Further back to Bottega. Positive Peace drifted out from Rock. Then came Almeido. And Natoya was one of the last to finish. Arcademus is now under the care of Team Hawks. That was the fourth run for the stable this campaign and on speed. Uh, they didn't... It visually looked like they were going very fast. It didn't turn out actually that way time-wise when you check the times. Nevertheless, they still ran it at a good gallop and he was able to burn the candle at both ends, Arcademus. Uh, a Jay Ford riding and, of course, was originally trained at Kembla by Gwenda Markwell. His previous win was in the, the members, the listed members oh. handicap at Doombin in May last year. He started a $7.50 chance in the Doombin Cup a start later and hadn't won since, but um, they've obviously got him firing again. It, it was, I thought it was a pretty deep field yesterday, like those horses coming up from the Group 1 in, in Melbourne. Mm. He's, uh, he's only had 21 starts. He's a seven-year-old. He only started racing as a four-year-old, so obviously they had issues with him, you know, before he got to the to the racetrack. But he's got a good strike rate and uh, probably a race like the Villiers would be would be suitable for him, one would think, in December. Yeah, I guess if they want to go on. But um, it's a bit hard. You win a million-dollar race and come back to a lesser race. I suppose so, yeah. It was a good day for uh, Chris Waller, four winners there yesterday, and also for James McDonald. J-Mac rode four, but Arcademus... Too good in the gong. Let's go to Ballarat and a big 10 race card. We'll have a listen to the feature of the cup. In the locker, half length, our big Mike Sosi Bon Pacadali, and they were followed next by Irish Flame. Then came around the outside, Kings Will Dream with Plensy Allen Furion back in the field. Then a fair to remember's third last, WT second last into the straight. Sosi Bon in the lock with Pacadali a length away. Plensy L runs on, Irish Flame hanging tough. Then gamekeeper Odeon, and then came Juna Pell. It's Pacadali, Sosi Bon back to the inside, gamekeeper and Irish Flame. A fair to remember's Coming through to Irish Flame at the 100. Swooping home WT gamekeeper. A fair to remember. Great finish, Irish Flame. I think Irish Flame has just won from a fair to remember. Photo third or gamekeeper WT. Harlem and not beaten far. Odeon, what a cracking finish. Behind them, Pagadali, Plenziel, followed by Sosi Bon, Fury and Kawaya. Junipel, Kings will dream El Galeal. In the lock and last of all is our big Mike. It's a photo. There's always a punning story everywhere. A very good judge in Melbourne who's a good friend of mine. He's got to remain uh, secret. He said to me about a few runs ago, I was on holidays, he said, back this 50 to 1 roughy today. It goes all right, Irish flame. It nearly won. I haven't backed it since it's won every start <laughs> since, including the cup yesterday. Well, it continued an absolute bloodbath for punters there mm. in Ballarat. Not a single favourite winning. I think $4.60 was the uh, shortest price winner of the day. But... Um, 
Yeah, fair to remember, look for a stride or two, as Matt Hill's call suggested, that she might change that. But uh, Irish Flame stuck his nose out and, as you said, continued his very consistent form. Yeah, he's won nine races now. He's won his last three on the trot for Brenton Scott and Michael Walker had the ride. And there was no fluke about the win either because he was off the track all the way and... Uh, and was able to prevail in what was a very hectic finish. They were coming left, right and centre. But again, it emphasises a point. I remember Chris Munn saying, this, saying one day, uh, you know, we often see horses race wide and we immediately, you know, mark them up because they've had a tough run. He said, if a horse is travelling and it's and it's feeling comfortable and it's, you know, there's no horse around it, mm. sometimes that three wide is not as bad a thing. So, you know, there's a bloke like Munz, who knows what he's talking about. Often when you see horses get right, they bustle them or snag mm. them and then get them out of that rhythm. So if, if they can keep in a rhythm, it makes a big difference. From a Magic Millions point of view, we saw the, uh, the the Clockwise Classic and readily available. John Sargent elected to go first up, first start to, to Ballarat and pay dividends and a good, strong yeah. finish. He went to Tassie to find this horse. He had yeah. Encountable last year by Bull Point and he wanted another one, so he found one down in Tassie and... Um, it's paid for itself already. It was a bargain buy, $25,000 readily available. I think that John was considering uh, running him at Wyong before coming north, but the fact that the money's in the bank now, he may just well trial, so we may not see readily available under race conditions again until until, uh, we were at the Gold Coast in mid-January. The history of this race is not spectacular in terms of uh, Magic Millions winners. No, it's definitely not. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's a fact. It, it just hasn't. But it's a, it's a good spectacle nonetheless. Mm. Um, I'm not sure how many good two-year-olds we've seen this season yet, Dave. You expect a few to come out of the woodworks in the next few weeks. You'd be hoping so. Yeah. Because, um, you know, and, and you've got to call it as you see it, so to speak. So, we're, we're now wanting to, uh, well, nearly into December. So, the, the juvenile season's been going three months, so right around... The country, I don't think we've seen a superstar in Brisbane, South East Queensland. No, certainly not. And even in down south, I think the, the filly that won the gym crack in Sydney is an absolute standout. Yeah. Um, bar That's the one, yeah. Inbar, yeah. Um, Melbourne, they sort of shared it around over the spring carnival. So really intriguing coming up the next few weeks as to when something's going to jump out of the ground. Because we know they will. Yeah, yeah. well, as I say, we, we hope they will. Uh, look, that's the, the program for this morning. As we outline next Saturday, the Tattersall's meeting at Doomben, hosting the uh, the Just Now Classic and also the, the Recognition Stakes, the time-honoured feature at Tattersall's. And the carnival continues in Perth. And I think basically it's back to finally back to bread and butter now in Sydney and Melbourne, is it not? <laughs> Yes, I think there's no million dollar races next. They're week. back in town at least next next weekend. I know that. Good on you, Nathan. Thanks for this morning. Cheers, David. Nathan X will be from the Courier Mail and Sunday Mail. Join me, of course. He'll join me tomorrow morning on Press Room, and that's when we'll meet again tomorrow morning. Look forward to your company then. Have a good day. Bye bye.